You're listening to Red Nation Online. It's Peterson in for Dom Dwyer here. Jacob Peterson! It just had to be him, didn't it? Against his former club, Jacob Peterson giving Sporting Kansas City the lead at BMO Field. Oh my goodness. Saturday, July 26th, Steve Perry and I'm Ian Clark. We're back from BMO Field and gutted after a 2-1 loss to Sporting Kansas City. An important first and third place battle, Toronto should have done better. Surrendering the winner to Jacob Peterson after being a man up and having more than 10 great chances on goal. We discuss the highs and lows, an interesting choice of referees for this high-profile match, and feel there's still one man missing from making this TFC team that much better. The 12th. We discuss all this and more in the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Yeah, I was, a game I, that maybe we shouldn't have been winning yeah. against the top team in our division. I was thinking, I usually, you know, come up and we started off saying, like, how do we feel about this result? And uh, I was like, is gutted a bit too extreme? No, it's uh, right up there. I mean, it was, uh, there was like a lot of uh, lows in the game. I guess not lows, but necessarily we felt uh, hard done by in some ways. We felt uh, by missed opportunities and bad calls. Uh, it was a combination of a bunch of things. And maybe I'm like thinking, did we have any reason to think that we should win this, beat this team? Uh, at, you know, this is the the best team in our division going into the game. Did you think we were going to win or lose, Ty? What did you think? Like, what were your predictions on this game? Because uh, I, I was kind of, I felt like we'd be lucky to get out of here with a tie, right? That's, uh, I, I kind of had my hopes set on our grind, we, we grind out a draw on this game. We know that. And it uh, looked like that for a long time, right? Yeah, I was, I was sort of like, oh, maybe I did see this in the right light. But then there was, you know, as this game kind of teetered back and forth, there was points where I saw it, shit, we're going to win this game. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think this game's in the balance and we can take it. Although at the beginning of, at the end of the half, I felt like with four yellow cards against us and the only cards that were called in the game were against us. <laughs> I felt like, well, maybe the rough's been bought, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and that even felt like the, that continued on. That pattern continued on, you know, with uh, Adoro until then. Adoro uh, got yanked, and he sh- actually that guy should have had a, yellow, a straight red. He eventually did get a red with two yellows, but man, the red should have come out earlier. There was, it was Ted Uncle, I think is his name, is the name, or, or, or something like that. And I, I should give a little bit of props to uh, Tim Drage big noof on uh twitter because i was he before the games he does a little bit of like you know he'll look at the head-to-head stuff he checks who the referee is and uh you know of note which i thought was very strange that in a matchup of a first place and a third place team they give a referee who if i'm not mistaken from his uh his research had only refed six games oh is that right and so he's relatively inexperienced yes the top match yeah and i thought i kind of feel like this was a high profile game yeah you know, my thoughts off the, off the top, Steve, was, and I'm sure if I thought about it hard, there have been lots of big games for Toronto FC over the last seven years, but I don't know if I can think of any point where it's been... A game that mattered? A league, <laughs> yeah, a league game that mattered, where it actually, you know, we're actually sitting, like, you know, so you can say uh, a lot of games matter, you know, when we play Vancouver, Montreal, but not an actual game that matters in the standings. Yeah, yeah. Where this result would have meant a lot for us, 
and a win may have established us as a top team, as a real contender. I don't, I don't walk away necessarily not feeling that. I just, I walk away more feeling maybe we're not there yet. Yeah. That's sort of my, you know, off the hop, you know, walking out gutted and sort of feeling this way. But still, you know, I feel like we, we saw a game, you know, and, and there's been so many, there's a lot of things that we went through uh, tonight that you know you just you i try to keep the last seven years in perspective and say i I certainly uh, i was kind of put in check uh, learning that uh defoe was out on cards yeah yellow cards so caldwell was was out on injury yeah so these are two major players in the middle of the park like that's you know it's pretty significant thinking okay well i don't know what to expect maybe i shouldn't expect much out of this game right uh i did have lower i mean at some point i had lower expectations and then we started like playing with them you know and i had seen uh, the game earlier this week against with Sporting KC uh, against uh, Man City, the you know the friendly that they played on Wednesday night, and I was thinking, okay, they got something to prove now because they basically C- City dismantled them, right? At the end, especially at the end of the game, they were playing with them up until like sort of the end, and then and then I started seeing that happen. To, I started going, okay, they you know they're trying to rectify their reputation here. I think they're coming to our town, yeah, to boost their morale. That's I, that's what I was hoping. Like that's not not what I was hoping, but that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, okay, this is gonna, like Kansas is here to play, so yeah. we got to be here to play too. Well, and that's the with, thing is, without our best players. Yeah, and, and when you're coming in this game, of course, Toronto also had a midweek friendly. So in a lot of ways, the teams were on even even terms in terms of you know the amount of games they played recently and potential fatigue. But Kansas City comes to Toronto with an excellent road record of six wins and four losses, and through the season. They've, uh, you know, they have a goal difference of plus 11. They're, you know, they have one of the best defense defenders and group of defenders in the league. You know, I think it's the second fewest goals allowed after LA Galaxy. And then you look, there's no Defoe. So where are, the, where are these goals going to come from against one of the best defending core yeah. in MLS? But, uh, you know, my, I mean, my thoughts obviously going into the game was sometimes I've, through this year, you know, we've seen when Bradley has been gone. And sometimes when, Def, I mean, now that we see with Defoe is gone, that some players rise up and some players seize the opportunity yeah and they say you know what when there's not some guy they could think oh i'll just i'll just pass it to bradley or remember the years past like ah pass it to guzman yeah uh, where's julian when you can't do that the other guys realize they have to work a lot harder to make things happen and i think we saw a couple players do that today yeah we did i mean initially uh jackson scored um and we were up one nothing yeah the, in the 16th of, minute yeah at the at the beginning of the half so i was th- you know i was thinking shit like this could be our game and jackson is a guy who you know we've had flourishes from but not really loads of things and he had dozens of chances by the end of the game so you know he, he certainly uh scored a pretty great goal but necessary not necessarily felt like uh complete I guess, game well you we just he wasn't the hero of the game like he should have been maybe because uh, he, he had the chance to be certainly yeah missed quite a few opportunities yeah and you know even like uh you noted in the second half where he had two chances two opportunities it was almost like uh not back to back but like you know one after the other anyway where he tried to place the ball a guy not necessarily trying to boot it right yeah which i thought okay this is like a guy you know really trying to finish here uh but they both he sort of got out of position i think with a keeper anyway i just i wish jackson had done more he was a guy who maybe didn't step up as much as we'd hoped but the player of the match who rarely do they really get it right you think yeah was a duro i think right uh i i stopped counting after like eight beautiful through balls by him 
uh, which, you know, we think Defoe would have finished uh, at least half of those, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Defoe was on that pitch, the game was over. <laughs> anyway, and he had two chances of his own at the end. Anyway, he was uh, certainly an incredible player. I think he was, like, definitely the guy to watch this game. Uh, he was amazing to watch. Anyway, I want to wear Ghana- Ghanaian colors next time. <laughs> because, really, he was, like, outstanding. Yeah, well, Someone I mean, should be singing his... I mean, there was, like, chance about Michael Bradley, but they should have been singing his name. Yeah. And I think... Dominic Adoro. There's been a couple, uh, you know, tweaks for this season that I think have been... We've seen... It's almost like you kind of wonder what happens if a guy or a team gets that two years to try to make it happen, as we've never really done yeah, at yeah. Toronto FC, um, and put our faith at least in someone who is, you know, whether it's from a management perspective, like a GM perspective, and, and had the right people from the top down. And I think we're starting to see that, you know, last year it was a bit of a scramble. We brought these guys in on uh, on loan to just kind of fill the gaps. Well, and then every we, year's been like that. Yeah, and then at the middle of the summer, they're going back, so we're signing guys on, on rush, and one of those guys was Alvaro Ray, who, you know, we're just kind of seeing what he has to offer. And then as this season goes on, it kind of start thinking, you know, this isn't going to work out, and we make this move for Oduro. And even though Oduro's on a pretty pretty hefty wage for an MLS player, you know, he's a, he's a known commodity. We know what he has to offer. We've, you know, you've seen what he's done at Chicago. You've seen what he's done at Columbus. And if he gets the chances, you give him the minutes, he'll produce. And it's not always, it's not always, you know, against some teams, it's it's beautiful. You know, his technique isn't isn't glorious, but against the right team, and as we saw when he was isolated against uh, Seth Sinovic on the on the on the right side, he had a field day. He did. There, there was no match. Like he completely overwhelmed them. It was a clinic, man. He was doing beautiful things. And even when he was off, I mean, he was. There were times when he was getting double teamed, times he was triple teamed, and he'd work his way through these players uh, to find these chances. And he's just a you know a big strong guy that even on the uh, you know I felt one of our mistakes was like on the set pieces we actually didn't put him in the play, uh, which I, every time he went back to cover. You know Nick Hagland on the like his spot, and I thought this guy is like a talent. He's just giving the ball and he'll dribble through and make a, an opportunity for you. Just give a play a short. Like I just thought instead of like instead of like this thing traditionally that we do, which is just hoof it into the six yard box and hope for something, right? Hope for a header, like hope for somebody winning an aerial challenge against the best defense in the league and our division. I'm thinking. Why not try a short? Like try something different. <laughs> there was a there was one time I thought felt Bradley should have just given it to him. Like you saw he was that. at the top of the eighteen, right? Yeah, that, right at the end of the game, yeah. there was an opportunity where he was alone, or fairly isolated on the far, which is exactly where uh, we wanted him. On a penalty to be. that he earned. Yeah. N- uh, n- yeah, no that's the right? one. Yeah. But you know what? <laughs> We've kind of pinged around things here and there, but I think we should kind of run through some of the the high points. There's a lot to go through in this game. This well, there's some the low ra- points too, right? I mean, yeah. one of the things I want to talk about is Bendik's uh, uh, clearance record, which was awful tonight. And I also want to talk about Gilberto's uh, inability to... Yeah, so here's the here's a guy who's on the ticket tonight, and you think, okay, well, he should just have a good game just because he's on the ticket, maybe, you know, but... Well, that's happened two games in a row. <laughs> the last two home it games. And Bradley had a good game against Vancouver, and the last ticket before that was Defoe against uh, Houston when he scored two goals and had... So I'm thinking there's something there's something to these tickets. Yeah, maybe. There's but, something to this, but maybe but not. not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So our second, our, our the first DP that we signed, who's on the ticket tonight, didn't really play like a DP. I mean, he's you know he just uh, I think I counted two good plays that he did, and that was really like right off the rest of his play. I just felt fuck, man, this is a guy. Maybe we need to be cutting him loose. 
You're thinking that, eh? <laughs> I'm totally thinking that. I, I just don't know what he brings to the team. Honestly, I don't know what he brings. I, I, I haven't seen, like, his off play. I don't see this. I mean, I see rare, little service from him. He doesn't score. He's not a finisher. He's playing in the middle. He's taking up space in the park. We should, there's got to be somebody else we can be putting in there. And with Defoe out, um, I felt like a bit of the ghost of Toronto's past was here in that it's a common problem of not having a finisher. We didn't have a finisher on the park tonight. And that's maybe our biggest undoing in tonight's game. How many years did we suffer through Chad Barrett? How many years did we suffer? Like, <laughs> I can't, there's never been really, until Defoe has been brought in, there's never been a guy we can count on to score. Clinically score the yeah. goal. Yeah, so, uh, and with Defoe off tonight, you, you saw it again. It was yeah. just like a rerun kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's like, funny. You just the say ghost like the, of TFC passed. Yeah, and the ghost of Chad Barrett, where you have a Jackson scoring the impossible kind of goal with all the work, and then not able to finish the... The clear-cut chance on goal from and it reminds me you know it's here is the ghost of Chad Barrett I'm actually thinking of the 2009 season opener against Kansas City Chad Barrett 1v1 with the keeper and instead of slamming it home he kind of tries to just, oh. he just tries to place it and he does it right into the goalie and then we see this game where Gilberto does a this was one of his nice moments, so you have to admit that when Gilberto lifted it over the whole defensive line to Jackson coming in the backside. That was the only, that was the second good play. Brings it down, yeah. 1v1, and just slides it right to the keeper. Yeah, that yeah, was <laughs> unfortunate. But, uh, and then the other ghost of Toronto's past is Oscar, or is Jacob Peterson, Oscar Peterson, it. Jacob Peterson scoring the winning goal. Fuck me. Former TFC player. Uh, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, people we trade away wind up killing us in the end, <laughs> right? Terrible, terrible. Yeah, it was just like, you know, fuck. Uh, anyway, and I know we want to talk about like some of the formation changes, like at the end where yeah. we felt like Nelson made a gutsy move to try and like almost like almost like a Dutch coach kind of making the bold moves in the last 10 minutes of the game, bringing, yeah. in, bringing out a defenseman, putting in a, a, Stri- a, a striker, a forward. Also soldiering up with Osario uh, coming in. Uh, you know, I felt like, okay, here we go. We're going to try and score. That's, you know, and we did. I mean, it was an exciting last 15 minutes of the game, right? Yeah. So uh, we just we just didn't have it. No. But let's, I mean, we... Let's get into it, yeah. Well, yeah, let's, I, mean, I mean, right off the top, we'll go through it quickly, I suppose, because we've gone through a lot of, like, interesting stuff and there's still lots to do, so maybe we'll pick things out as we run through the 90 minutes. But, I mean, like, the notes that I have... You know, we've mentioned it, we're like right off the top, Orduro was the man. Yeah. We were seeing this right from the start in the seventh minute where he had that, you know, that strike far post where Moore could have come in from the backside. And he then he hit course, a post himself. Yeah. He, uh, I counted eight crosses that he made that were beautiful. Uh, and then he had another chance on net near the end of the game. Uh, ten, like this, ten opportunities. That's like, I don't know, you don't get that kind of stuff, right? No, not how at all. We not, how could we not score on any of them? That's the question probably some people are asking, right? Yeah. And then we go, you know, obviously the scoring opens in the 16th minute and we see slot, slotted at three to Jackson. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, Jackson does the work and, you know, kind of rounds the keeper and, and fin- slots at home. One nothing. That, was, that wasn't necessarily the way that I thought it was going to go down off the hop. No, neither did I because I think uh, Kansas City had us under the gun a little bit. And I mm-hmm. felt like, uh, wow, we're up. Did <laughs> we get a lucky break? Yeah. And, you know, I think the first thing I noticed from Kansas City out of the gate was Dom Dwyer. Uh, their forward, and he's coming. Yes. In this, he's coming in with great form, and you could see I was the confidence that yes. he's playing yeah. with. Right, you could yeah. see that he was trying things, 
And there was one play. He never on. stopped running either. Like yeah. even off ball running, he was always trying to make something out of nothing, right? He was. Um, it made me envious, right? I I was comparing him to Gilberto, and I thought, man, that's why I was so down on Gilberto all game because I was like looking at him against the Kansas City's forward, and I was just thinking, fuck, man, what, who, who, and we're paying this guy a DP wage? Yeah, you know. Yeah, and then of course they 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 had him up top with uh, CJ Spong, who last yes, season yeah. just completely tooled us. Had a great game, so he was a guy that you had to keep an eye on because he's he's athletic. He can get up in the air. He can make things happen. Uh, didn't didn't have a great game, but there was there was a few moments I think where I was. You could see he was out wide, getting isolated. Uh, yeah, yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then as this first ha- half is going on, we kind of touched on it. Of course, is when you start seeing the cards come out, and you're getting the sense. You know, this is when the, you're starting to get the sense that. Uh, you know, we've had Toledo, we've had Stoika, but this is this is another level. This referee. Well, I just was, I, I felt like we uh, we weren't the we weren't going to get a break. You know, I felt like all the every call was going against us, and the cards started coming out against us. And yeah. there was four of them in the first half, and I was just like, I, th- there was four cards, and they were all ours. I thought this is uh, a bit lopsided. You know? Yeah, and I really can only think one of them for sure was when Henry slid through and missed the guy completely, but it was. I mean, you have, when he's cutting across the face of the face of the 18 yard, and he's going to have a great chance. I'm not worried about that. But the one that uh, on the other side, though, was that well, that Justin ball Moore. from from Bradley up to Gilberto, who just got behind Colin. And from where we were standing, you know, it looked like he got tripped up. I thought it was actually pretty clever from Gilberto to actually get to try to get in a position in front of him to try to force the yes, foul. Yes, yeah. And. Uh, you know, I did a quick flip on my Twitter, and everyone's saying it's very inconclusive. But I don't know. I mean, this was this was have, kind if of. If you have possession and you get the ball taken away from you, it's kind of clear cut. That's what I think. That's usually the call goes your way. I would have thought something. I mean, there was he went down. Yeah, yeah, he was taken down. I don't know. What, I don't know how else it would have happened. The referee, I think, has to give the the benefit that uh, he didn't just fall on his own. That he was that he was touched. Yeah. But uh, nothing happens there. And as we go through this first half, and as we go into the second half, you know, you start you start seeing well, Michael I, Bradley have these one on ones with this referee, and I thought that was an interesting to kind of thing to watch is him wearing that arm brand and basically filling in for Caldwell, who usually is in that referee's face screaming at him. Yeah, but Bradley, I think more so tonight. I mean, Caldwell is a little bit backed off a bit. You know, for a guy who's Scottish, you'd think he'd be a bit more hot headed. Not so much, I don't think. But Bradley, he was like right there every time there was a call, and. Uh, you know, it worried me because I f- felt like fuck, he's gonna get a he's gonna get a card, and he did by the second half. Right? Yeah, he got one in the second half, but and I thought he was given one in the first half, but they didn't call him for it. So, uh, it, the referee at one point when he was given the card to, um, I think he gave it to the card to Adoro. Adoro, I think oh, got gosh, the card. I, well, we've lost track. You know, um, like Moro got a card, Henry got a card. Yeah, but it was Adoro who got the card at this point, and. Okay. Uh, and I thought he had shown the card to a sport, a Kansas City player. Oh, it looked like he gave three cards out. Three cards, but they only the commentator only gave one. He only said Adoro, right? Dominic Adoro got the card, but it, he also showed it to Bradley. And I thought he's already had a yellow. And then when he showed him the second one, I, but he didn't call it. I was confused, kind of. But you know, it's to be expected from a referee that maybe wasn't so clear cut about things, right? Yeah. So, anyway, that was. Uh, uh, a bit of a head fog, but yeah, he did. He did fill in as the captain very well. I think he, you know, you got to 
be lobbying that referee, making sure that he's paying attention, being aware of things that he's missing. Um, he should maybe be consulting with his fourth official a bit more. There's, you definitely can't let him get away with shit, right? It, it was very lopsided. And to the point where some little kid above us shouted, two teams, buddy, yeah. at the ref, Two right? teams playing this game, buddy. And which, uh, you know, I totally smiled because I thought, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that from grade school. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that was great for the little kid. To, it was just so clear. Two teams, buddy. Yeah. Anyway, that's a sight and sound for you. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. And, you know, one other note from the first half, and you touched on this already, but we kind of had this discussion because this is when it really started to happen was there was a play where... Joe Bendick, you know, made a save, picked up the ball, etc., and really distri- distributed it so fast that Nick Hagelin hasn't even turned around, and he throws it upfield to him, and Hagelin has to make this mad dash to try to get it off the line to keep it, yeah, to keep it. And up. we made this point where we were thinking back, and now that we know for sure that Julio Cesar is back at Queens Park Rangers, so he's not obviously back with Toronto FC. It's it's now you can really make, or now in this game we we're starting to make this comparison of what we had when Cesar was here and how. Uh, Comet was on the back line. Yeah, and it's almost settled, like it's, right? it's such a small detail and something I think you don't necessarily notice, but I know, like we noticed it, that you have a, you had a keeper in Cesar who was like, without missing a beat, whatever the circumstance was, when he had that ball, he made the right decision. You know, when it was time to distribute it quickly, he did it quickly. When it was time to hold on to it and just make it, take it slow, he did it slow. It seemed like everything he did was right. And then we had Bendik today who was has a reputation of being very poor in distribution, and he lived up to that tonight. Yeah, for sure he did. Yeah, yeah. it was uh, sad to see. I mean, there was at one point I was just getting, like, screaming, going, are you kidding? Just fucking get it to one of our players. Well, it was like, one Just get it to one of our players. Give it to, do play a short. Do he something. Kicked. Don't do something. Like, don't continue to do the long ball where you're just uh, making it impossible for us to get it. It's just so difficult, and then you're just making us fight for it, trying to get it back. Like, why would you give the ball away? It's, you know, they don't need the charity, honestly. They were playing well without without us helping them. Yeah, and there was one where he kicked it upfield straight at the Kansas City guy. Yes, and it came right back to him. Yeah, and then he did the exact same thing the yeah. next time. I was like, he did didn't like he learn the first time? Fuck. Anyway. Yeah. So when we went into the second half, you know, we feel, we're feeling pretty good, up one nil. But holy shit, that didn't take long to, to unravel completely. And uh, at the, I think I had it at the 47th minute. And I think what was most, one team came out of that dressing room ready to play. I think, and, and Toronto didn't. Obviously, yeah. uh, because essentially Kansas City was able to just carry that ball right into our 18-yard box without anyone making a challenge. And then you saw this pinging around, and Graham Zusi, it falls to Graham Zusi, who just strokes it, hits a guy, goes in the back of the net. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my nose just, it, it was a shit show. It was uh, completely disorganized, and it was unfortunate that that goal is what took us to, you know, wake up and get back in the game for the second half. Yeah, but we were, uh, I mean, three minutes later, we were attacking again. You know, the the thing is that we didn't give up. We didn't sink into like, oh, shit, you know, we've lost the game kind of thing. We actually came at them and continued to attack. So I got, like, at the 50th minute, there was uh, Gilberto fed Jackson, uh, who, you know, that was, I think, one of the first places that he tried to do at the 50th minute. So that was laid it off to him coming down the left side. Yeah, it was three minutes later. And so we were already like, you know, let's get it back kind of thing Adoro at the 52nd minute uh you know I have like 60th minute that like you know these are like you know minutes away from each other yeah 65th minute again Adoro 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 I have yeah. Adoro written the all over this page one, and that was the one too the 68th, 68th minute was the one where he slid it right across and it went through Moore 
and then to the back post the Jackson missed. So both Moore and and Jackson missed it like right on the goal yeah. line, and that's the one where, of course, we said, "Fuck!" If Defoe would have finished that, yeah, like, that's he's the... got the nose to just like get the right touch. Hell, Denny Covermans would have finished that. You know yeah. what I mean? Just Defoe's got the timing on it. I think you know he knows when to make the run and to finish it right to cut in front of the goalie or whatever. Right? Yeah. He just can finish. He can then, finish out of nothing. And really. then sixty-eight minutes—that's a key point, right? Yeah, that's the one where, uh, you know, the ball comes. Uh, Gilberto slides it through to uh, Oduro, and he's—I mean—he's off to the side, but he's so fast. There's enough room for him to cut in, and the guy just grabs his shirt and pulls him back. And it's, you know, everyone just puts their hands up and they're like, "What do you? What more do you want? Like, what more does this referee need?" To I honestly see? felt he grabbed the wrong card. I mean, at first I thought it was a mistake, and then you realize that he he actually did know where his red card was later on in the game but like <laughs> you know it took a it took a second really uh yank down right anyway that the, because he got tripped i think at the 68th minute that's where he got his his ankles clipped See, i have 68 was one where he got the jersey was pull. it yeah maybe that was it because uh, earlier he got his ankles clipped by the same player right mm-hmm. so he was just getting hacked i mean people couldn't stop him right no. that's the only way they could stop him was by you know, yeah, and the funny thing is, we have seventy to seventy second minutes when Bradley gets his yellow card yeah. for for lace running um, reaming into the referee. But then it's this this one on the seventy sixth minute, which you know you kind of feel like okay, that's that's maybe we're getting some justice, but at the same time, it's frustrating to see the referee make a call that you can you kind of get the sense he knows he's fucked up, so he's just making this call to make up for the past mistake. Because Beasler, of course, he makes the foul, and I don't. I wouldn't have been aggrieved if we just got the free kick, which seemed like the right thing. But he gets his second yellow, and he goes off. And okay. but I also felt like he should have made that call. That red, that red should have been earlier, right? And I just, yes. you're, you're right. I mean, I felt felt like he got he got an extra seven minutes of play. Kansas City got an extra seven minutes of play. Not that it did us any good to play shorthanded or play, you know, one up. But like I was thinking, did we really take advantage of of the having the extra man? It happened when there was still 12 minutes left in the game, and then there was an additional five. So we had we played what 17 minutes um, with an extra player. Didn't seem to make a difference. Like they still scored. They scored a winning goal against us shorthanded. I was just like, what? who the fuck does that? Well, that and that anyway, was one too where I just. Just shaking my head. You're man. watching this like one moment unfold, and Jacob Peterson after the after goal. waves of pressure like that we were putting on the team, and uh, yeah, and then like it just seems so easy for Kansas City. <laughs> I was just like, they don't need any chance. I mean, how many times have we seen that? They don't need any chances. They just need one. Yeah, and they just capitalize on the one that they do. They finish their chances, and we need twenty to score the one. Like what the you know? There's it just seems kind of lopsided. A bit. Yeah. How, is it a tron- you know we talked about the curse whatever people talked about all kinds of superstitious things I just think like it's just indicative of maybe the skill level difference or I don't know what it is there's something there's something we just don't we're not as good as like all these teams maybe we're not as good without our DPs maybe we don't have enough depth you know there's lots of things to consider here well I think one thing to cons- take into consideration we need another with, striker for sure yeah that's but, but one thing to take into consideration between Toronto and Kansas City I mean Kansas City is a team now who's they are they are almost five years into like the vision of their team of their club and we're really just in our second yeah I think I well, think that's part of the maybe difference our first really yeah but I mean Kansas City is a team who's set out a vision for the the type of football they want to play 
and they've been they've been building it and, and tweaking it and whatever for five years and they you know they won the championship last year and this year they're as good as they've ever been pretty much and I think that's that's the difference that's what you're seeing from this team and, you know we we mentioned in the first half you could see a difference between the type of possession Toronto was doing and the type of possession Kansas City had yeah and it just looked a little cleaner it looked like they were working it with a little more purpose whereas Toronto still kind of you know, let's just get it to a Duro and he'll just work it in somehow. It yeah. doesn't. Nec- it does, still doesn't totally feel like it's by design. We're, we're playing more hope and, hope and prayer, and I think uh, in some ways I felt like even with our set pieces, that's also a thing that you can compare. You were to. complaining, yeah. You were. I was like, about that. it doesn't matter how many corners we get, how many free kicks we get. If you if you just do the same thing, you just throw it up and hope somebody you win an aerial challenge. It's like it's kind of ridiculous. Like why don't you work on a different set piece? Why don't you have options? We did the same thing every time. It didn't work any time for us. Most teams do work on set pieces. Where are, where's ours? <laughs> like that's something simple people can work on and that you can noticeably improve on. I think I would think. Yeah. I, and I think you know to come up with different options for a set piece. You don't have to be Germany and have four guys run over top of the ball before someone kicks it or but you do have to come up with something different. You have to have a short and a long and different things in between, right? I just I, I felt like we didn't. I felt like it was indicative of maybe our strategy that you're talking about, the just uh hope it goes somewhere. Like the, can we win on hope? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> there's a lot of hope out there. Yeah, it's fucking. If we know. all hope together, Steve. Yeah, but I mean that's the thing. Like lots of people still come out. Like yeah. I mean, it was still like a apparently air quotes sold out <laughs> game today. Even though I could lay down in my seats beside me in the row. Yeah, there's enough people still buying tickets. I'm thinking there's enough people still caring about this game. You know what? After though? seven you years know of something, shit, you know what's something I Don't did notice. Think? Yeah, but here's a the hope sound. is there, but the but like like that's bullshit. Like you got, you, we need to do more. That's what I'm saying. This, there needs to come up more strategy. There needs to be more strat- work on strategy. Yeah. I think on tactics. Like, don't you think? Yes. Isn't but, that what we're trying to talk about? Yeah, but I, you know, one sight and sound that I will throw out here at this point, and I was thinking, circling back to the point about you know what this matchup was. You know, first place against third place, a real meaningful game. I would have hoped that the South End would have been absolutely rocking, and it wasn't. Kings, no of, flags. North, Kings of the North were. They had their drum, but they it was did. like you, <laughs> they you had the drum. Yeah, the long you drum. Would, really. I would hope. You know, you would hope, and maybe it's again. This is it's another piece of the rebuild of this club after abject, seven abject years. But that's something where it's like, can you say definitively that there was a twelfth man out there to no. lift this team? And I would, I would say no. I mean, the stadium was full. But we've seen games where when Motagua came here and Cruz Azul came here, where with less than 22,000 people, that stadium was going fucking bonkers. And that South End, and I reminisce about it a lot, like there's been only a handful of times where it's been end-to-end synchronized claps and synchronized chants. And it's just like, fuck. Like terrifying, I would think, for teams to be up against that. And a game like this, when you have the top team coming into the league... You, you want to be there. You want to make a difference. Yeah. yeah. And I think... you know it's where we are, out of people, yeah. though, don't you think? Yeah. Where we are, it has been. You know, we got up and stood up for corners a few times and stuff like that. But, and there's guys at the back trying to make, thing ha- make things happen. But, you but know, it was more, there was more stuff out of outrage because of how ridiculous the calls were today. And not necessarily about trying to motivate our team or play. It was about... 
how shit the game was going because it was just we felt there was a serious injustice going on yeah not so much about you know trying to make a difference in the game yeah that I mean, is something I think I, that's been beaten out of us honestly I it think. has where we sit for sure and I think in, in, in a part I, I can't help but look I mean obviously there's the supporters groups that are down there that are still but they sticking feel- it out but you know that there's 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 a lot of people down there what's like what's going on they're just it's just all it is is the same as our section except they stand yeah. From where I'm sitting, I mean, we watch. We've watched that section for. We've watched the stadium for seven years, and I'm. It's pretty quiet this year. And I can't help but like think. But I ma- feel like they've. They, I feel like they feel like they've been. Like I think they had some kind of rapport with Lightwicky last year, and he promised a bunch of things, and they feel like he, they've been betrayed by him, right? So, it, I think they are withdrawing support in some ways. I just feel like okay, well, we'll be there to watch the game, but yeah, if you can, if you think you're going to get spirit out of us. You think again. I mean, you've already stolen all those lines for Toronto Maple Leafs. Like when you go to Maple Leafs games, a bunch of shit that you've seen at the soccer games has been stolen and tried to. They try to recreate it in a, I don't know, like a forced way kind of thing. I feel. I just, I you know, I honestly, I just feel like this. Like I think that ownership sucks. Yeah. I think everybody fucking hates them. I think that's what it comes down to. It's adversarial. You know, at best, like to say it politely, it's adversarial. It's not a good relationship. Yeah. You can you can keep looking for your fucking bandwagon, like parade route, whatever. <laughs> but like, really, it's just cheap talk to me, right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyways, let's circle back into the match. Sure. Because then you know what the thing is 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 that's something that kind of it popped on my head on the way home, where I just was thinking that, where I was like, huh, you know, that really wasn't. It's quiet. It wasn't the kind of atmosphere I would have expected for such an important well, game. You know, and you see these games like in Seattle and in Portland where they're and like almost everywhere now I see like, you know, where I used to watch MLS and I would see like, you know, stadiums relatively quiet. And I was thinking, you know, the first couple of years in Toronto it was great. I was like, shit, these teams have nothing on us. And now I'm like, they have everything on us. Like we have nothing. Yeah. And we were, I feel we were like t- we're the we were talking flipped, to the, right? the two guys next to us who were saying like, oh, we're actually like we're more hockey guys and they're asking us questions. They go, This is pretty good, eh? I'm like this it is, is compared d- to hockey. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> sure. dude, and I was like, dude, it used to be awesome. Now it's not. And then it's like, what about compared to it's like it doesn't compare to anything right now. Like a lot of teams are doing like a lot better stuff yeah. than what's going on here. But uh, to kind of maybe you know, spin it back into the game. Obviously, we finished this game at a 2-1 loss. Di Rosario came on, which I thought was kind of interesting. I mean, we said the circumstances under which it occurred. I also uh, saw at the half when Bradley came back out, uh, he was uh, warming up Di Ro. Um, I don't... It was just something I noticed, that they were uh, kicking the ball back and forth really quickly, just kind of... And Bradley spent a bunch of time with them, you know, where they have no time, really. They're just, like, walking out at the last minute of the pitch. Uh, and I thought, okay... Is this foreshadowing something? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't realize who the player was until I saw him going off the pitch, and I realized it was 14, it's Dero. Yeah. So I was like, and then Dero comes on, and I'm like, shit, here we go. Maybe he's going to become the hero. Yeah, that's, and hope, I, it, you know? it's because he seemed like he was written off for most of this like first half of the year, but he, he came on against, against Houston, and I thought, okay, he's just letting him play against his old team and get a little clap from the fans that would remember him. But then he came on today, and that's just the one thing I'm But I also wondering. felt he brought, like, um, a different dimension to that game where he brought, like, some recent play, and he set up something pretty nice in that Houston game, right? And I felt like um, today even, 
you know, he brought sort of this thing where he was trying to hustle the play, you know, uh, every time the ball was going out for an opportunity for Kansas City to do like the time wasting shit. He was like putting, placing the ball. He did that four or five times yeah. in the, in the, what, the, two, the 15 minutes he was on. He was really trying to keep the game going. He had a chance on net, which I felt like, I think, you know, in some ways I feel like his confidence has been eroded. So I felt like that's kind of why maybe it was a missed kick in, st- in some ways. Like, I mean, he didn't miss kick it, but he didn't get it under it didn't enough. Didn't get as much as you would think. And yeah. we've seen, I feel like we've seen him score that goal. Oh, I've past. seen him score that goal before, for sure. Yes. You know what yeah, I mean? Totally. When he was yeah. on DC and when he was on, when he you had know, that with great, us, he scored. <laughs> yeah. He scored that goal. Yeah, yeah, two years ago, that would have been a goal. I yeah. think, no question. And I, and you know, there's another ghost of Toronto's past. I mean, I figured like we are, we've undone him. You know, unfortunately, our best player, the best player to come out of Toronto to this point, and we had a big hand in making him, you know, at the end of his career, shit. <laughs> Honestly, like shift him around. Yeah, I mean that does something to a player, right? It erodes their confidence, and when you keep him on the bench most of the times. I mean, I, I don't think he's a starting 11, but it it does, you know, play in your confidence, right? Yeah, yeah. So, anyway. So if we look outside of this game, though, Steve, exiting it, and if we take a look at the table, you know, I mean, Toronto right now is, we're chasing, obviously, and we're in this third-place position. And the unfortunate thing about this game was this was a great game to, essentially, it was like a six-point game because we would have closed the gap on Kansas City, and we're playing DC United midweek, another opportunity mm-hmm. to close the gap. And we still have games in hand, but of course with DC, we only have one. Uh, and as it stands now, we're tied with Columbus, but we have three games over Columbus. So there's a chance to pull away. Uh, as well as New York, we have games in New York. So these next two games for us are, are pretty critical because if we don't get points out of them, then this whole games in hand advantage that we had for most of July has is, is been to waste. And traditionally, August is a tough month for us. So I'm a little bit concerned, you know, how these next three games play because they're all on the road. We have D.C., Montreal, and Columbus. Yeah, it's like a month gap for, for, for the next home Mo- game. D.C., right? Montreal, Columbus, and then we're visiting K.C. before we come back home August 23rd to host Chicago. This could be trouble. Uh, there's a lot of potential. You know, shit as Montreal has been this season, you know, you just don't know when they're going to, they might pull it together, and it could be against us. DC has been great, and they obviously beat us at home the same score as Kansas City. And then we go to Columbus, which is always tough. And that might be a, that might be a pivotal game, actually, is Columbus, because then the games might be evened out, and then we go to Kansas City. So there's a little bit of concern. You know, as much as I, there's things, you know, if we look sort of big picture, I guess, and, and don't hit the panic button, I think there's a lot of things encouraging from this game. If but we want to talk points, about, but the three points would have been huge. Yeah, I mean, if we want to talk immediate and, and of even course, the one point would have been, yeah, great. It would have been great because I would have got my prediction right. <laughs> not not just that, <laughs> but you know, in terms of the table, right? Yeah, uh, and trying to make sure that we're in the playoffs this year, that would have made a big difference. Today's game was huge. Yeah, because you don't want to get you don't want to get a position where, where you get into a slide and then have to try to regain form in September. And you're battling it out. Like, these are the games that can lock yourself into that, you know, mid-top table position where if you lose one or two games in September, you're still doing okay. But if we go in a bad run now, uh, then the, the league can change within three games very easily. You know, New England can win three games, Columbus can win three games, and all of a sudden we're in six. These are the games that separate the winners from the losers, I think, yeah. in some ways, right? Yep. 
the wheat from the chaff. Well said, Steve. But I think on that note, unless you got anything else on your mind. I do. I think we should go out with this song. What is that? Bang on my drum all day. <laughs> For the supporters that... Bring back the spirit. Bring back the spirit. Okay, well we got Steve Perry. And Sparky. Yeah, Steve's on the east, I'm on the west. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm going to try to make it out for the midweek game. And uh, and then I'm going to be on a break, but I'll talk about it then. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Besides Stand Up is the only Toronto specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or on email at info at rednationonline.ca and share your thoughts on how the Reds did on the pitch today. As well, check out our other podcasts on rednationonline.ca from the Black Hole and the Gaffer and Hooligan, giving you all the coverage you want on Canadian soccer. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Have you guys seen anybody play ping pong or pong? Well, there's a ping pong table, right? Oh, uh, it's down there. Yeah, it's over there. Are there anybody? Is there no, anybody? I haven't heard anything. There's like, people, kids were playing basketball like 10 minutes ago, but there's been no one playing ping pong over there. It's just like right there, right? Yeah, that's it right over there in the dark, in, in between those trees. Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Thank you. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know what we were talking about.